mad at Brandon, but he hadn't given up on him. He just seemed like a man with no good alternatives, confronting a problem that was too big for him to solve. Judge Walker paused, took his eyes from Brandon and started looking through the case materials spread out before him. His lecture done, he was taking his time imposing a sentence. Another good sign. Judge Walker was known for giving defendants a fair trial, but if you lost, look out. Defense attorneys called him a long ball hitter, referring to the lengthy sentences he imposed. But now he was hesitating. Maybe I had persuaded him that this was not an easy case. I knew that probation was a long shot. The gun charge was serious. And worse, a report from the court's social worker had claimed that Brandon hung out with other kids who were involved in some recent neighborhood robberies. But the robbery allegations were just rumors. Brandon hadn't been charged with that. As for the gun, well, Brandon lived in a terribly dangerous neighborhood, one where kids sometimes carried guns for self-defense. Most important, I had told Judge Walker... This was Brandon's first arrest, and he had great potential. His football coach and two of his teachers had written letters about his promise. His family was supportive, and he had recently enrolled in a tutoring program for at-risk students. And Brandon had pleaded guilty, accepted responsibility for his actions, and been remorseful. Juvenile court was supposed to offer second chances, and Brandon was a perfect candidate. The prosecutor argued that Brandon should go to Oak Hill, D.C.'s juvenile detention facility. I had countered by pointing out what everybody knew. Oak Hill was a dungeon with no functioning school, frequent incidents of violence, no counseling or mental health services worth the name, and no transition services for young offenders once they were released. Brandon would miss months of actual school while serving his sentence, and it was possible that the principal wouldn't take him back once he returned to his neighborhood. If this happened, there was no good alternative school he could turn to. Brandon fidgeted as we waited for Judge Walker to speak, and I tried to calm him by placing my hand gently on the back of his shoulders. I glanced behind me, and offered what I hoped was a comforting smile to Brandon's mother and grandmother sitting in the first row. They had never missed a court hearing, had always voiced their support for Brandon. Now all they could do was wait. Judge Walker finally gathered the papers up into one stack and placed them back in the case file. When he spoke, the verdict was quick and painful. Brandon, he said, I believe you have potential, and I see you have supportive teachers and family. But none of that was enough to stop you from picking up a gun. Even if I believe that you had it because you were scared, you could have hurt somebody. Son, actions have consequences. Your consequence is six months at Oak Hill, after which I hope you make good on the hopes that your mother and grandmother have for you. That was it. The bailiff, who had been sitting behind us, stepped forward to take Brandon to a cell in the courthouse. Brandon's mother gasped and started to cry. Judge Walker wouldn't like that. None of the judges did. But what could he do now? The courtroom clerk would probably help her out into the hallway, or so I hoped. 
I had to go see Brandon. The cell block was just a few feet behind the courtroom, but it was a world apart. No majesty here, no wood paneling, no carpeting or cushioned seats, just metal and concrete, housing black boys like Brandon. And make no mistake about it, they were all black. That day, Brandon's cell held three other black teens waiting for their cases to be called. The picture was the same in almost every D.C. courtroom, whether the accused were juveniles or adults. There were a few women and girls, but mostly men and boys. Nearly all, according to official records, more than 95% were African American. This state of affairs was no secret. In 1995, the year Brandon came before Judge Walker, the Sentencing Project issued one of a series of increasingly alarming reports.